Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. My name's Anton, and our guest today is Kedrick Olson. And for any of you who don't know who Kedrick is, he's a paranormal expert and internationally renowned author, speaker, and teacher with over 30 years of experience guiding people through their supernatural and spiritual concerns. And personally, I first heard about Kedrick, I think it was a year or a year and a half ago. He had been on Paul Check's podcast, which obviously I'm sure many of you know is one of my all-time favorite podcasts. And he went on there, and I, I've been trying to find reputable information on the paranormal since I was 14 years old. My mom got me into this kind of things when I was 14. And yeah, for me, it was always, I was so fascinated by it, but I I didn't trust the TV shows. I didn't trust the psychic mediums you'd hear about on TV and stuff. And so I put it away in the back of my head for more than a decade and when Paul, who I see is very reputable, when he had Kedrick on, I was like, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to check him out. And I just immediately fell in love with Kedrick. He's just such an honest, kind, authentic human being. And he went on Paul Check's podcast twice. They've done entire courses together. And then Kedrick went on Aubrey Marcus's podcast, which is another one of my heroes. And then I went through a really big paranormal spell, uh, pardon the pun, about six months ago, and I went on Gaia TV, and sure enough, Kedrick has been on Gaia TV multiple times as well. And yeah, over the last year, I've just fallen in love with him, man. He's just, yeah, he's just trustworthy, man, I, it, which is so important to me. And yeah, so I'm obviously a massive Kedrick Olson fan, and I just love how he describes things. Like, he's one of those people that he'll describe to you the paranormal like you're a five-year-old. Not condescendingly, but just he's so good at breaking these extremely diverse topics down into everyday language. And so in today's podcast, we dive deep into the paranormal. This is pretty much a 101 course to the paranormal. And we talked about poltergeists, spirits, ghosts, um, things that I call agri- or things that Kedrick calls egregores, which I find them fascinating, but these are thought forms that we all create through a culture. Um, so in essence, we create gods. Um, and hearing Kedrick talk about this just blows my mind because it's going to blow your mind too, but it just, everything that you ever thought couldn't exist, Kedrick has a way of connecting everything and you go, whoa, maybe everything can exist simultaneously because he gets into quantum physics a bit and his own uh, experiences being a psychic medium and, you know, growing up in this area. And yeah, this was an absolute pleasure. We also talked about shadow work, which is an area that Kedrick is very interested in nowadays, is helping people overcome their... Yeah, they're shadows and come to terms with who they really are and not be afraid or ashamed of these parts of ourselves that we all have. You know, our culture deems many parts of, of us unworthy to be in society. Our anger, rage, all these things that are natural parts of our human being that we have to pretend when we're in society like we don't possess. And yeah, this this podcast goes in a lot of very cool areas. So I'm sure if you have any questions about the paranormal, he'll be able to answer them in this podcast. 
Before we begin, I want to take a moment to thank our first sponsor of the show, Listening to Smile, and its founder and personal friend of mine, Ian Morris. Listening to Smile is one of the companies leading the movement to bring frequency-minded music to the mainstream. And for anyone who doesn't know, frequency-minded music is music that is infused with binaural beats and frequencies that enhance and speed up our body's natural healing mechanisms. And Ian's music is actively healing the world and is currently inspiring open-minded leaders in Silicon Valley to include his music in their products and to help them create a workplace culture that is focused on mental health and well-being. And I personally use Listening to Smile's products every single day to support me with stress relief and is my music of choice for my daily meditation practice. And Listening to Smile has two main programs. The first is their personal wellness program, and this is for personal use, and this consists of healing albums for stress relief, pain relief, and anxiety relief. And the second program is their affiliate program. This is what I'm currently part of, and this is for commercial use, and this is the exciting one. So what you get with this is two free starter albums and one brand new album every single month. You also get access to monthly live coaching events with founder Ian Morris and commission earnings on album sales, a 50% discount on all music purchases, and licensing, right, licensing rights to use and resell LTS music for commercial use. So... If you're interested in transforming your life and entering the expanding frontier of frequency-minded music, be sure to go to www.listeningtosmile.com and experience it for yourself. And at checkout, make sure to use code ANTON to get 40% off all albums and $100 off of their affiliate program. So enjoy, everyone. I also want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor of the show, Vidara, and their My Indigo Sun magazine. The mission of My Indigo Sun is to help you live a healthy and inspired life and is dedicated to bringing you the latest and greatest information related to the realms of the body, mind, and spirit. And I actually met the founder, Katerina, um, at an event earlier this year. And within five minutes, it was very clear that we were aligned and that we were going to be doing a partnership. And like myself and many of you, the people of Vidara are dreamers who see that the beautiful world we see ahead of us starts with us. So in addition to being their in-house podcaster, I'm also part of the working group helping my Indigo son to transition into a world-class publication. So if you're interested in transforming your life and taking part in an evolving spiritual community, be sure to go to www.myindigosun.com and check out the magazine for free. And now on to our podcast with Kedrick Olson. Hey friends, welcome to the Anton Zachwar podcast. Our guest today is Kedrick Olson. And for anyone who does not know who Kedrick is, he is a paranormal expert and internationally renowned author, speaker, and teacher with over 30 years of experience guiding people through their supernatural and spiritual concerns. And personally, what I respect and admire most about you, Kedrick, is there's a couple things. Number one is authenticity. And number two is, it sounds very extremely basic, but I would actually say just kindness. Um, 
from the first time I reached out to you and every conversation we've had since you've always just, it doesn't matter who it is. I feel like you treat everybody with respect and admiration, no matter if they're Paul Check and Aubrey Marcus or the small guy who has, you know, 10 subscribers. I just feel like, yeah, when I reached out to you, you're just psyched. You're like, hey man, like that sounds awesome. I'd love to come on. And that always, that always humbles me, you know, as I continue on my journey, that's one thing I hope to do in my life is no matter how big I get, no matter how many millions of subscribers, you know, when someone asks me to, I don't know, be on a podcast or make a presentation, no matter who it is, you know, I just look in their heart. I see if they're a good human being and no matter what, I just say, yeah, you know, if it's a yes, I will say that yes with love and kindness and compassion as a human being. And another thing is trust. You know, this is something I've said to you specifically uh, when I met you and we had our original meeting was a lot of people I feel in this space, they, you know, they, they have the gift of the gab and they want to make this big thing. They want to feel like they're important and they want other people to feel like they're a source of information. And when I've seen you on Gaia.com, Paul Check, Aubrey Marcus, no matter where it is, if someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, I love how you'll always just say, you know what? I don't know. That hasn't crossed my experiences. And for me, as someone who I've been trying to get into this paranormal area for years, you know, for five, maybe even 10 years, probably since I was 14 years old. And for me, it was always, I was always very reluctant to get into this area because for me, it's a big thing of trust. Is like, you know, when I enter the space, it's like, especially get into paranormal, you get into these more esoteric topics, people can lead you astray. You can have false gurus. You can have very charismatic people that can ruin people's lives. And, you know, this is one reason why I'm inviting you on the podcast for my listeners and the listeners that watch this later down the road is I want to be able to look my audience in the eyes and say, you know what? I trust this guy. Kedrick is trustworthy. And I only want to have people on my show that... I trust and that I feel responsibility for when they come on. And so those are just a few of the things I value and admire about you, Kedrick. So Kedrick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate that intro. That was awesome. Thank you. I, I, I will have lots of words to say, but right now I'm dumbfounded by that. So I'm, I'm humbled. Thank you. Hmm. You're welcome. And we're going to start off with a, with a super difficult question. So are you ready? Oh, no. Okay. All right. So if you could choose one or two animals to represent you in this lifetime, what would you choose and why? At first, it was the elk. There's something about the pristine majesty, at least that it inspires within me, about the elk. It's observing its world around it, its awareness, how strong it seems to be, how quick it seems to be. And when I work with the runes, one of my favorite runes to work with, and I teach people, is the rune Algis, which is all about, it's really the moose in in Scandinavia, but the word Alg, Elg, Alg, all connected. So to me, it has those connotations of that sacred connection, that sense of protection that sense of well-being. And even if we look at like the food we eat, right? If we look at livestock, cows, pigs, chickens, they tend to be raised in like these closed yards, 
they live for the moment where they're going to die. But if somebody goes hunting an elk or a deer or a moose, these are creatures who survive every day and they live to survive. So if it comes down to you are what you eat, what would you want to choose? And even though I primarily eat a, a vegetable diet nowadays, I still have those connotations in my thought is like, do I want to just live in this closed off, completely controlled, rigid society? Or do I want to have my head up and my awareness fully alert and prepared so that I could be surviving and thriving in a world of my own making in the world around me? And to me, that's what the elk represents. Mm. I, I like that. The the majestic protector in some sense, the the thing that just lives its life in, in the majesty and in, in the reverence. I'm sure an elk probably is not aware of all of those words and ideas, but and it's funny when you, when you mentioned uh, a protector, if I remember you recalling that correctly, um, I kind of do see that with you. Everything I just said in my intro about, you know, your honesty and, and how you value human beings in some sense, that is like the protector, you know, that is the, I don't know if I'd call it the king, um, but it's, yeah, the, I don't know, the protector. I, I see you as almost this like protector, elder, and I know we talked and you're uh, 50 years old right mm -hmm. now. Correct. You're 50. And so you're going into this, yeah, the stage of your life where you are going to be an elder and, you know, maybe this is no coincidence that you're going on more podcasts and you're putting your message out there. Because I think, you know, as you said um, about being in a world that confines you and limits your spirit, I think that, you know, we've heard this often, that the elders and the wisdom and the indigenous wisdom and the elders wisdom is disappearing from our world as we live in a world of social media and entertainment and consumerism. And I don't mean to bash society like that, but literally like a world of entertainment and consumerism where everything is about the idealization of the youth, about the 20 year olds. And like, you know, I was joking with my friend Ian on the podcast last week, but it's like, try to find a protagonist in a, in a TV show or a movie who's in their fifties. It's like, you, you just, you don't. And I know the hero's journey is a journey of, you know, coming of age and, and growing up. But I think, you know, as I said in that podcast, I think it's time. I would like to see definitely a time where our entertainment has more mythologies, has more myths, shows the lives of people like you, because, you know, our entertainment always shows through the eyes of people like me. You know, the guy who's starting on his journey, who's putting himself out there, going through hurdles. We never get entertainment where it's following you, Kendrick, or even Paul Check, or some of these people that are in these elder roles now. It's like, but that's kind of beautiful because even when I talked to you originally a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about your life and the phases of your life. And this is what we're going to get into in a second here. But it's like, you know, again, I admire you in many ways and I would love it if our society also admired the deep wisdom that our elders have and to jump from there. Um, yeah, let's get into you a bit. So tell us, mm -hmm. share with us the story of how you became who you are today as this paranormal expert and this person who's really taking a step in the world. I like to say that I was literally born into the paranormal because I grew up in a house that had spirits galore in it. Things would move. Television channels would change dials. My mom's obstetrician when she was pregnant with me is Dr. Robert Bradley, who's 
paranormal experiences served as part of the basis for an old 80s horror movie called The Changeling. And I went to a spiritualist church when I was a kid. I went to seances as a kid. My mom got me into psychic development classes <laughs> and then introduced me to the pagan community, which she wasn't a part of, but that's okay. She was totally open and willing to let me explore. My parents were cool with me getting whatever books I wanted to get. My mom would go to the metaphysical bookstore, pick up whatever candles or herbs. So I, I literally, I mean, quite seriously, literally grew up with spirits and entities and all these beings all around me from a very young age and throughout my life. But I kind of took sort of not a detour, but a little sort of an offshoot on that as I studied runes and Norse mysticism and the whole North Northman practice for a long time. I wrote a book on that called runes for transformation. I taught that for a long time and that, that served well, that served really good. Until one day, I attended a seance with a good friend, and there was a paranormal investigator team there. And the seance went well, and I was able to help out with the seance because it was a natural thing for me to do. I didn't realize it's kind of weird. I was, you know, 30s, maybe 40, and I didn't even realize just how abnormal some of the stuff I had in my life because my kids, too grew up telling me about the spirits coming into their room when they were in bed, the stuff in the house. I mean, even to the point where my oldest, my youngest, sorry, my youngest has recently moved out to an apartment down in downtown Denver. And she's like, how do I bring spirits into this house, into my apartment? Because I'm not used to not having these things around. But anyway, back at the seance, when it concluded the medium of the event and the, the paranormal investigator team and I were all talking and one of the things that came through during the seance was an attachment that one of the investigators had that showed up on sites regularly and kept showing up in seances and talking to him. We found out where it came from and why it was there. And I'm like, okay, yeah, great. So just here's the things that you can do to take care of that. And he was like, okay, how do I do those? And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? How do you do those? Don't we all do that? And it really highlighted a gap in my personal experience and what I was not teaching and what the world was needing because it was right there. Even the medium who was running the seance is like, yeah, we need classes on this stuff. And I went, oh, so I kind of backtracked a little bit. I, I haven't set runes and that st stuff aside, but I started to incorporate that into the paranormal stuff that I had direct personal experience with. So I said, okay, fine. I'm going to start building courses on seance work, on how to help spirits cross over, on how to develop your communication techniques, how to recognize when this stuff is going on around you, because I realized just how desperately needed it was out there and how people are relying on movies and TV shows to tell them what the paranormal is to the point where I've actually had people tell me they've never had a paranormal experience. And I'm like, Oh, well, let's go unwind that. So that's kind of like the long story short of how I got there it was just a lifetime of experience and me teaching other things and realizing I needed to fill this gap that, that's out there. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel that a lot because I, I'm someone like my two best friends are psychics. Um, I don't, I don't, they don't consider themselves psychic mediums, but definitely psychics, um, clairvoyance, clairaudience. They have both of them actually have all, all of them. And I was with them yesterday, actually. And we were, we were talking about my life and 
you know, certain life paths or my highest life path and if I want to move to Costa Rica or not. And it was so funny because I was like, I asked one of them, I was like, yeah, you know, can you read my energy? Can you see where my highest alignment is? And she just joked. She's like, how about you ask your soul? Like, it was so normal. She, like, she didn't even mean that, like, as a joke, like, you know, how about you do a joke? She literally was like, actually, I think this is a good question. Ask your soul. And I was like, I don't know how. I'm like, I'm, I'm just learning. Like, I literally, I've been learning how to communicate with, you know, call it your higher self, your soul, whatever. I think like one month ago, I think like one month ago, I'm 20, turning 27. And to your, to what you just said, I think the, like the average human being has never had a paranormal experience, or at least they've, they're not aware they've had a paranormal experience. They, you know, maybe locked it away. And so for someone like me, like, again, two best friends, psychics, my mom's three best friends growing up were psychics, kind of like you, I was really born into this. Um, But for me, I never, I didn't have those gifts or at least they were locked in within me um maybe when i was a kid but society kind of trains you out of that and so it is interesting talking to someone like you where from your perspective you're like how doesn't everybody know how to do these things like you know my friends will say like oh you know just do this or do that and i'm like i don't even know what that means like or like they're like oh yeah just ask your soul i'm like i don't even know how to begin doing that like you're saying that like it's so simple and I'm starting to pay attention to it more, but it's still difficult. Like I'm a month in and it, it, it's I have such a hard time doing it with big decisions because my ego gets in the way and it gets scared and it starts to block off all of my intuition. So what I do is every morning when I go out for my walk, I'll ask my higher self, I'll check in with my heart chakra or whatever, and I'll feel the expansion of energy. And I'll ask, do I want to walk left or walk right? And I do that every morning. And that I can usually get a pretty good reading on. I can figure out pretty easily. But when it comes to the harder stuff, you're so right. Like, you know, most people just don't have a framework for how to do this. And a question I have with you is you said that you went to the seance and there was um, paranormal investigators, if that's what you said. Mm-hmm. That was always something I'm curious about. Um, I think it was like, go- was it Ghost Watchers? What was that TV show that was really big back in the day? Is that Ghost Hunters? Or- Ghost, Ghost Hunters. Ghost um, Adventures? Go- definitely Ghost Hunters. Um, so with Ghost Hunters, have you seen that TV show? Not been a while, but yeah. And did you feel like that was all scripted or was, did you find that was real or was it like 50, 50, some were BS, some were real? That's part of also what got me into this line of work is whenever I would watch those shows, I would be shaking my head and getting super frustrated going, that's not how this stuff works. That's not what's going on. And then I'd see the behaviors of the investigators and I'm like, what are you doing? Are you trying to open yourself up for a problem? What is going on here it was it was just so cringing to me to watch these things and when i was at that seance with the medium she's been on some of these shows and she's been a part of them and lo and behold she's just as cringeworthy about (laughs) what's going on there she's like yes i can't believe those boys are doing some of those things and i do think some of it's not necessarily scripted but Maybe at the moment it's exaggerated. Mm. Let's say, you know, they're not picking up anything on any of their meters or any of their tools, but maybe the house creaks or somebody drops something somewhere. And now they start going, whoa, 
in you know screaming and freaking out and the editors throw in that picture of the ghost face oh, and yeah. like oh. so it, it's the fear factor going in and when i resigned myself to accept that these shows are really more about horror entertainment than actuality then it's like okay for if i were watching a horror movie about the supernatural it would be the same relevance to me because rarely do they do that now i want to throw an exception out there there is a new subscription service called paraflix which they're doing a bunch of different uh paranormal investigator shows on there you know some are very simple production values like you know people with their own little home recording equipment some actually have a higher degree of production values and there are absolutely some shows on there that i'm watching and going okay they get it they know what they're doing this is fine this is working out but i will say the stuff that seems to be on the big cable networks i i haven't seen one that i can agree with yet Mm, I hear you. And speaking of these like counters, like they have these machines that supposedly can read, I don't know, I guess you call it psychic energy, spirit, spirit, entity energy. Do you think those exist? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting as I have a key two meter on the shelves behind me where I've got all my fun little toys and stuff. Right. And it really just basically reads any extraneous electrical energy in the room. So if you've got a, a light switch that has a loose connection, it'll start bleeping up into the red when you bring it near there because it's picking that up. But what I find fascinating is, let's say I start to do a little seance, and this is my office where I see clients and do seances and stuff in this room, and I've got that little K2 meter on for no reason at all. When I'm starting to work with a spirit, it'll start bleeping out into the red. Wow. And so I'll look at that and I go, oh, interesting. And then I check in with my own feelings because that that to me is the primary source. And if my feelings gives me that little goosebump rush and I get the feeling that there's something here and I'm like, okay, great. There, there, that's a validation because I've had the uh, the converse of that happen where I wasn't doing seance. I wasn't doing a situation, anything like that. I was just working on my computer, doing some messaging and doing some writing. And I had the meter on just just for giggles, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it starts bleeping out into the red. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Let me check in here. And I'm scanning the room and there's nothing. I'm like, okay, must have been just an anomaly. So I start typing and I'm working away. And all of a sudden it bleeps out into the red again. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, look, feeling around and there's nothing. And I'm like, why are you going off into the red? And then there's nothing. And so I take a quick look around and I realize that my cell phone is right next to the meter. Uh... And I pick up my cell phone, move it to the other side of the room, and the meter just stays completely in the green. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so right there tells me that the machinery can be good. The technology can be good, but we still have to be able to do this check-in. And I think maybe one day as we keep progressing and we keep testing and we keep there are some really ingenious devices that are coming out some really ingenious technology that is constantly being developed and i think as that technology gets honed and refined we'll finally start to actually get some definitive empirical evidence of this stuff where right now it's just kind of anecdotal mixed with some wishy-washy empirical evidence that we're trying to piece those together but i think we're going to get there real soon that's very cool. Like I was thinking about this actually, I think it was a week ago. Um, because as I mentioned, I'm, I'm learning how to speak to my higher self and it's usually, it feels like it's a surge 
uh, an expansion of energy or a retraction of energy. Usually when mm-hmm. asked question, if it expands, it's a yes. If it retracts, it's a no. Um, right. So I was thinking I'd, I'd be like, it'd be really handy for people who are learning to connect with their higher self if we had a tool that could read that energy. Like, you know, is it, is it a yes? And then it, you know, it goes to the red or something. And that means like a really inflow of energy. And then if it just stays the same or retracts, it means that it's your energy kind of dissipating. So I, I love that. I just, you know, even the fact that you're saying that they're figuring it out for paranormal stuff inspires me about that side of things. And honestly, both are awesome. Like I, I would totally pick one of those up because I, I've been told many times that the house I'm in right now is haunted. Um, I've had my own paranormal experiences. I won't get into that. Um, but something else that you alluded to is that most this machine you have picks up electromagnetic frequency, correct? Correct. Electromagnetic frequency. And a spirit can, can tick it off. Does that mean that the energy signature of spirits is electromagnetic? I don't know. But there is something about their energy that seems to register in the same range. And I'm not technically geared enough to know exactly how these meters work or what they're doing or how that correlates to spiritual energy. I just find it interesting that there is some connection between the two, but I, I don't think this is my pondering. I don't think it's electromagnetic, but it might be the precursor to electromagnetic energy you know, like a, a step up in density or, you know, a step higher in density that can condense maybe into electrical current. I'm not sure because it's also related to cold spots, let's say. Yeah. Because when we as human beings, here's a little misnomer about human beings. We cannot detect temperature. We can't feel temperature. What? We just can't. Yep. We don't feel temperature. We can only feel if heat energy is coming towards us, which we call warm, or if heat energy is leaving us, which is what we call cold. Wow. And we can detect the rate of that heat energy. Like if it's coming in really fast and we're getting a lot, we call that hot. And if a lot of heat energy is leaving us, we call that freezing. That's all we can detect. This is why you can hold a piece of metal or a piece of like cloth. They're the exact same temperature, but the metal feels cold because it's conducting that heat energy away from you where the piece of cloth is insulating that heat energy. Okay, that's the physics lesson. Now, a cold (laughs) spot in the room is because there is something drawing that heat energy out of you. There's something sucking heat energy out of the air. And these spirits are energetic entities. And so they may be drawing heat out of the air, out of your body, as a means of getting a buildup of their own energy so they can communicate, so that they can connect or they can do something. Again, it's not elect- it is electromagnetic energy, isn't it? Because heat is infrared light. And electricity is just another form of the uh, magnetic electrospectrum. Yeah, the magnetic electric spectrum of one form or another. So there is some connection, but I'm not entirely sure what it is. Mm, That's fascinating. And this actually leads me to another question. So um, I've heard the answer to this, but I want your perspective on it. So how come some people never seem to have paranormal experiences and others do? 
That's a good question. And I do fully believe myself, and I don't have the evidence to support it, but it's my belief that 100% of all children grow up having paranormal connections, paranormal awareness, because it's just the nature of being kids. You're closer to when you came into the body. You haven't been taught that this stuff is not okay. You haven't been taught to shut it down, that you're just wide open exploring your senses, which is why kids have imaginary friends. Kids can see the weird stuff in the rooms. Kids can laugh at things that the adults are like, what's so funny? What's going on? Is because they're receiving messages. They're perceiving things that they are naturally inclined to receive and perceive. But as they grow up, mom and dad are like, okay, that's just your imaginary friend. I don't want to hear about it. The kids laugh going, oh, that's just silly. That's stupid. What's going on? Teacher's like, okay, we don't do that here at school. And as we're growing up, we emulate the adults in our life. And if the kid's seeing and perceiving something, but the parents are completely ignoring it, the kid's going to emulate that. And eventually they're going to shut off their abilities, tune these things out and grow, grow up and live a normal, productive life as an adult without any paranormal experiences whatsoever. But some people retain that. Some people kind of hold on to that. They're like, I know there's something else going out out there, but I'm not sure what that is. And so it becomes like, maybe not like reading or riding a bicycle, but it may be more like somebody has been laying in bed for years and their legs have atrophied. All of the nerve connections are still there. The muscles are still there, but they haven't used their legs in years. And now they're finally able to get up out of the bed and their legs are a little bit shaky, a little bit wobbly. They have to move their legs and develop their musculature and build it up so they can get their stability and going again. And so that's the way I look at paranormal experiences for all of us. We have the ability to do it. We are always there perceiving it. We're just tuning it out. Now, the mm -hmm. other thing that gets in the way is the TV shows and the movies. Uh -huh. People think that a paranormal experience has to be a book flying across the room. It has to be a disembodied voice going, get out. You know, it has to be these things that you see in the TV show and movies they don't realize that maybe they're sitting on the couch at home by, their se by themselves reading a book and suddenly they're filled with a memory of hanging out with their best friend, you know, the best friend that died. And they're having like this memory of this great time they had together. And they're feeling like this sense of closeness with their friend that they haven't felt in a long time. And they're overcome with this feeling of joy and happiness and going, Oh, that was really fun. That was really cool. I miss you. Well, that, is your best friend in the room saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. Remember when we did this together? Or if you're sitting at a red light at the at an intersection and suddenly the light turns green, but you're still sitting there going, why am I sitting here at this green light only to see a car blaze through the intersection that would have just totaled you and caused an accident? Those things are actual paranormal experiences. Even like what you were saying, when you go out for your walk, do I turn left? Do I turn right? And your higher self says, how about we go to the right today and explore this direction? That is actually a paranormal experience. They're very subtle. They're very easy to miss if you weren't aware of what they are because we say, oh, that's my imagination or that, that was just my feeling or that was just my memory or, oh, I don't know. I was just not paying attention to whatever was going on. So we explain them away because we're not aware that they are very subtle. They're very gentle, but they are very much a part of our life everywhere. Mm. From your perspective, because um, 
Because, you know, even the, the word paranormal doesn't mean anything because it just means like paranormal. Like that doesn't mean exactly. ghosts. That doesn't mean spirits. Like that's everything <laughs> other than normal. And so like right. you were talking about that. I was like, oh, crap. I, I kind of asked the wrong question. But like because exactly what you said, when I ask my higher self a question, that's a paranormal experience. Yep. Now. I'm kind of like having this distinction in my brain right now about this idea. There's spirits, which is a, an element of the paranormal. And then there's, mm-hmm. there's source, God, universe, higher self. There's that side of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get a, a memory of, of a friend when you're reading, how do you know if that is your higher self sending you a message, a spirit sending you a message, or like a channel sending you a message, which a lot of the time is through your higher self anyway. So yeah, let's say your higher self or a spirit. How do you, how do you tell the difference sometimes? It takes a while to get used to it because let's just say the languages are a little different. Like when a spirit communicates, it's never in this great gestalt worded thing that we have, like what we're doing right now. It's not necessarily like this. But we can perceive it that way because our brain can interpret it that way. It comes as like this general information that we then put into our own little understanding through like it's a visual image or it's a sound or it's a a feeling of some kind or it's just a sense of knowing. Now, if it's like a human person like us that died, that lived in a body the language tends to be a little bit more linear. It tends to have sense to a context that we can understand. And it I'm going to say it's a little bit slower, and I'll show you what I mean in a minute. It feels a little bit slower. And that's how we'll know what kind of a being we're talking to. Now, if it's a higher level entity, it's the same kind of thing. Like if it's higher self or it's a guide or it's some higher level being, it's still this general energy information that comes in but it feels like a little blip. It's just like a little burst. Uh, You're like, okay, what was that? And then it expands, you know, like a zip file or a flash drive or something. It just expands. And all of a sudden you have this deeper level of knowing you're like, oh, what is this? Now, how do I understand all of that? What is that all about? Where did that come from? And that's a way a higher self will talk with you and communicate with you versus a lower level entity is generally going to be just emotional information that comes through and it's going to have like a sense of neediness or or even a sense of consequence or urgency if you aren't doing this thing because you're feeding it whereas like a higher level being or a higher self will they might ask you to do something that seems to your brain and your logic as really ridiculous and stupid and so you can push back and say nope not doing it and they'll be like "Hmm, okay fine i don't care it's your free will a lower level entity is like, no, 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 you got to do this. You got to do this. And a human being level might get a little frustrated with it. They're like, but dude, we got to do these things. And But at the same time, it understands it can't interfere with your will. So after a while, you'll learn to discern these different levels of communication, almost like they're a different sort of language so that you'll be able to pick it up. But it just comes through one. I've got nine rules of interacting with a paranormal. And one of those rules is the more that you interact with the paranormal, the safer it gets. And part of that is because you start to discern those different sorts of languages out there. You learn to discern how all of that works so that you know what to tune in and to tune out so that you can connect with what you want to connect with. 
Mm, and then I'm guessing also the more you connect with the paranormal, the calmer you are, the more understanding you are. There's less fear. There's less fear to attract negative Let's not say negative entities, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, That's exactly true. The more you start to debunk the TV shows and the movies, you're having those paranormal experiences. You're like, oh, that movie was so stupid. It doesn't even the Ouija board doesn't even work like that. What? Yeah. Yeah. And and this is one reason why I never watch horror. I've like always had this intuitive feeling like I don't want to I don't want to cloud my subconscious with believing that every single possible paranormal experience is literally a demon trying to take my body, like trying to take my soul. Like it's just like, I'm like, I don't want to believe that man. Like that, 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 that's creepy. And another thing that you alluded to earlier that I, I can really resonate with and even feel in my own life is this idea of we're trained out of our psychic abilities. I full on believe that, especially now because I'm getting closer to my own intuition. I can literally feel as I'm stripping away the layers of, I don't know if you call it ego or logic or beliefs, the whole ego structure, you could say. And then even what I said to you before is when I ask my higher self a question and it's a really big question, like, do you want to move to another country? Do you want to switch careers? Do you want to start a family? The ego can sometimes be afraid and block the the stimuli in the body. It can stop the flow of information, the flow of energy to give you that yes or no answer. And so what I'm thinking is so that's that's part of it for sure. I can see that how as you grow up and as people give you their beliefs and say no, no, the ego literally just starts to like block out these stimuli. And I, I would almost in my own languaging, I would call this the ego starts to block out the the um like the sensitive stimuli, the really quiet stuff, like trying to speak to your higher yep. self. It's quiet. It's, a, it's it's beyond a whisper. It's like it's just this really light feeling of slight expansion or slight retraction. Perfect um, explanation. And then this is this is what's interesting though, because I've had people, I've talked to people who did not believe in the paranormal and they were not in contact with their the, the more sensitive side of that. But they've been they believe in the paranormal now because they had like one of those book fly across the, the room, they've had their like bed rise up. So I'm curious, is it what I just said where you're not going to be able to interact with a spirit who's calm and who's just subtly trying to get a hold of you because you're not even, like again you're not even going to feel anything you're going to you're just going to be disconnected now how come some people that don't believe in the paranormal can have those i don't know if you'd call them a heavy experience where it's a very physical experience it's a tangible it's something moving something very tangible you know what i mean yeah, let me do two things here real quick. Yeah. The first, I want to talk about your higher self-communication and the ego getting in the way. What if, and I'm going to pose this question here, what if your ego is looking for a basic yes or no answer, but your higher self doesn't have a yes or no answer? What if your higher self is trying to say, well, if you go to Costa Rica, these are the things that could happen. If you go to Texas, these kind of things are going to happen. If you go here, these kind of things are going to happen. What if your higher self doesn't have a simple answer for you, but it can project out possible scenarios for you to choose from, but your ego wants a yes or no answer. So if you let that go and you say, hey, higher self, what happens if I go here? Hey, higher self, what happens if I go there? What happens if I do this? And you let yourself explore those scenarios through to see what goes through, then you might get a better answer from your higher self. 
Very cool. Thank you, Kedrick. And, and quickly, I have a question about that, actually. Um, where I am in my my development is I have not had an experience of a visual Im- or I've not had a super correlative in- instance of asking a question and of like what you just said, like have a very concrete sentence go through my head, a visual picture go through my head. I'm at the stage right now, to my knowledge at least, where it's these very subtle fluctuations of energy. That's the only mm-hmm. manner at which I'm aware that I can decode my higher self. Um, so for you, how did you, and I, I know I'm speaking to someone, you've literally had this your entire life. You've never not had this from my experience, but for someone like me or any of the viewers and listeners who don't have a very strong ability yet to unlock that intuitive power, how do you get to the point where you start off with just being able to barely understand a slight fluctuation of energy coming from your heart or maybe your third eye to what you're talking about is ask an open-ended question about what happens if I go to Costa Rica and your higher self literally starts sending messages through that, the consciousness or visuals. Play a game of abstract pre-association processing. Big words here. Abstract pre-association processing. So let's say you get that feeling, that fluctuation feeling. Breathe into that feeling. Just be aware of that feeling. Let that feeling become absorbed by your consciousness. Let your consciousness move into that feeling. Then ask that feeling, what does it mean? What is it all about? And then just free associate, just like one word to a word, a a situation to a situation. Just let it, your mind ramble on what that feeling means. Now, your concrete mind that comes from the neocortex up here is going to think you're crazy. It's going to be like, what? This is nonsense. But that rambling is coming from the visceral, from the enteric nervous system. And it's just going to process that out. And it's going to connect with the heart because the heart's going to feel it. And just by being an observer, a conscious observer to that rambling and those feelings and making it a game rather than don't, don't take it serious. That's another one of my rules with the paranormal. Don't take it so seriously. Don't yeah. expect to have a firm answer in a firm way. Just play with it and say, okay, if I move to Costa Rica, this is what it's going to feel like. And in that feeling, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And this is going to happen. And what that feels like, Oh, then that feel is going to happen and just play with it and let your abstract mind, just ramble on. And then all of a sudden little blips will start to pop out. You get goosebump rushes over certain things. And I always say, trust the goosebump rush because that's your <laughs> visceral nervous system interacting with your body, connecting you to your intuition saying, yep, this is a hit. This is the thing going on. And then follow that. It, so it's not concrete. And this is where people will come back. Well, it's just you making crap up. It's your imagination. Well, your imagination plays a key role in this because the information you're getting is not not something we have it's not it's like a general information and your imagination now has to put a framework around that it gives you a visual image this is what i teach people when we're learning seance there might be an entity in the room and one person is a more visual learner another person's a more audible learner the audible learner is like okay there's this weird fuzzy war warbling sound that i'm picking up and the other person's going, no, it's not. There's like this pulsating light that's a little bit fuzzy. That's what's going on. Well, they're picking up on the same information. They're just interpreting it differently. And so that's what you're giving yourself the opportunity to do when you connect with higher self and you're feeling that subtle whisper come through and then you explore it and you expand on it. You're giving yourself that opportunity to 
interact as a whole being who are experiencing what that information is and just make it a game and play with it and see where it goes. You're right. I, I know I take it too seriously because I'm like, I feel like my whole life, the stakes of my life are like, if I can decode this right or not. Um, I, to help you with that, I came up with this new model of how higher self works. In our day-to-day life, we are on a roller coaster. And when we go through a big change in life and we're going through a big situation, it's like hitting that first hill on a roller coaster. When you're reaching the top of that and you're looking over the side of the car and you're going, oh, crap, why am I here? Can I go back? Can somebody stop the ride? Let's get out of here. I made a mistake. Let's know. I don't want to do this one. I'm not here anymore. Meanwhile, higher self is back at the deck right at the beginning and the end of the ride, you know, and it's going, yeah, that was great. Let's do it again. So higher self can sometimes be a jerk by getting us in that situation because it thinks it's fun. It's not having too serious of a time with it. It's just like, yeah, okay, that was a fun, intense experience. And so if you can go back to what you were saying earlier, like, oh, this, you know, what is this feeling that I got? Is this anxiety? Is this anxiousness? Is this nervousness that I'm feeling about it? Wait, let's breathe into it. Let's make this excitement and have fun with it. And then higher self is now getting in tune with you. I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point of this. It's not scary. Let's just have fun and be excited about how it happens. And it'll be a totally different experience when you do that. Th- th- thank you, Kedrick. I- I- I'm learning. Like I said, last month has been just a, a wild experience of just like, I like, and it's wild too, because I, I feel like the average human being who doesn't have any contact with that deeper part of themselves, which, you know, I, I was, and in some sense I still am because I'm still learning this process, but I just feel like, you know, this is from like a bigger, grander perspective of society. Like, you know, no wonder we're all so easily led astray. Cause like, you know, the average person has such a hard time connecting with themselves, you know, their, their truth meter, you know, especially because as you get into this stuff, you, you realize that there is no universal path, you know, like if Kedrick says, Anton, you should do this. It's like, well, maybe for your path, you should, my path, I'm supposed to be a podcaster. You're going in that direction. And, you know, we live in a society where, you know, government structures and, and every structure in the world is essentially telling everybody, this is what you should do on behalf of what I believe is best for you. And that's essentially not to get too political, but that's like the entire idea of government. It's like, you know, if I was you, you should do this. And it's like, they're telling that to like billions of people and it goes nuts. But yeah, to, to rein back the politics a bit, it's like, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's just, I'm realizing like, this is so exciting for me, like learning this stuff. And like, it's so empowering. It's just, because before this, I'd have to go to psychics all the time. You know, should I do this? Should I do that? I'd end up going to a psychic and, you know, that's great. But, you know, you can only go to a friend so many times. And then if it's someone you're paying, like if I go to you, it's like, that's like $250 for an hour and a half or something. It's like, I'm not like no one's made of money. So it's like, you kind of have to do that thing where it's like, okay, learn how to do this yourself. And you'll always have your sense of truth you know you'll always know where you're supposed to go because imagine how scary it is for people that feel like they want to take a step in life and they don't know how 
And, and obviously, and sometimes I even think about this, Kedrick, I'm like, how does the world even function when 99% of people don't even have a compass, an internal compass? And, you know, Paul Check always talks about the pain teacher. And one way mm-hmm. I think that that happens is people are running around blindly and they, they make so many, I don't know if you'd call it a mistake, but they get off their path and their highest alignment so many times that finally the universe just like concretely smashes their, its way into their life, gives them a debilitating injury that they have to go and talk to this person that's like their soulmate or something or supposed to unlock an element of their life and i guess in some sense people have to take the difficult route in their lives because they don't have any ability to just listen to the small voice or the small presence that's trying to lead them to their highest alignment you know what i mean yep and that's exactly what my clients get from me is i don't want to be the guru with all the answers i want to be this dude that can guide them on the path so that they can always find the answers for themselves and they can end up doing the work themselves. Like if somebody comes to me with a problem in the house, sure, I can do the house clearing, but it comes back and the problems go over. Somebody has an attachment. Yes, I can do the clearing, but the attachment comes back. So I go in and I teach people how to do this work for themselves so that they can continue on. Like if that attachment happens or something happens in the house, it's like, oh, I know what's going on. I know how to do this so that they don't have to keep coming back to me for that you know, they can come back for more lessons and more things, <laughs> but it's my goal to empower people to coexist with the paranormal so they can learn how to do this stuff for themselves so that it's not so scary. And you're right. Sometimes people, we got to learn the hard way. I've done it the hard way sometimes too. And that's the whole purpose of dark night of the soul. And why I love shadow work is because believe it or not, higher self is a jerk, right? It's not just that dude at the roller coaster saying, yeah, let's do it again. It's that dude getting you in the roller coaster. It's the dude turning on the roller coaster and saying, ooh, how much faster can we get this going? Because higher self came into this world with a purpose, with a reason that it's here. And it gets derailed, I would say, almost 100% of the time. Not always, but really, maybe 100% of the time by the families and the communities that we grow up in, telling us that we have to be a certain way. We have to do these certain things. And we grow up believing who we're supposed to be because that's what society tells us to be in our communities. And some people are born into it and it's totally cool. It goes great. But we start getting on this path of thinking, oh, this is what I am. This is where I'm going. And higher self goes, no, 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 screw that. We've gone down this road far enough. Reset button. And then everything comes crashing down. World goes to hell. You hit rock bottom. You're like, Great. What was this all about? And now you rebuild and you re- rebuild in a new direction. You rebuild in something new and you're like, oh, this makes sense. And I wouldn't have gotten here if everything didn't fall apart. And higher self was like, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> so higher self can be a real jerk sometimes like that. Mm, th- this is a fantastic segue to two topics. One topic I know you're very eager to talk about, which is shadow work. The second topic I was just thinking. So I, I think we were talking about a bit about astrology when we met and this idea of Saturn returns around 28 to 30 years old, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Saturn returns, first of all, I want to hear your perspective on Saturn returns and give us, share with us your thoughts on it. And what will this, 
what will the Saturn returns potentially look like in difference between someone who has paid no attention to their higher self and someone who's been who's been really checking in with their higher self? So if you could please explain what a Saturn returns is and what those two scenarios could look like with these two different people on two different life paths or the same or the, or the same person on the same life path who did does it two ways. No problem. Saturn return is basically wherever Saturn was on your chart the moment you were born. I'm just going to make it up. Let's say it was zero degrees Gemini. I don't know. Let's just say zero degrees Gemini when you were born. Then in 28 to 30 years, depending on cycles of how the planets move, that Saturn will come back to zero degrees Gemini. And that's considered to be your Saturn return. Now, Saturn is a planet of, let's say, parentage. It's about control. It's about limitations. It can have some fun into it, but it's really more about limitings and what your limitations are, what you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be, just those kind of things that we were talking about. And now when it comes back around, this is your opportunity to address all of those stuff that you grew up with, all of those things that you're working with, all of the things that caused you to question what your world is now, because when you're in 28 to 30 years old, you're going, who am I? Why did I grow up like this? What is this all about? And that's what Saturn does. Saturn can be very disruptive in that sense going, oh, all that stuff I went through was, was just bogus. That's not what I'm doing. Or all that stuff I went through. Ooh, look at the lessons I got from that. Look who I got to be because of that. So Saturn return gives you that ability to readdress all of those things. And even if you don't believe in astrology, that's fine. That is still where we are biologically hardwired to start addressing our upbringing and what our place is in our world. Now, to answer the second part of the question, I really can't because every single person is completely different and there's no polarity about how somebody's connected to higher self, like, you know, full on, full off. There's this whole spectrum. And everybody has those moments of like, I'm going to listen to my higher self on this thing, but not on that <laughs> stuff. Or, um, and so we're, everybody's going to approach that totally different. And there's no, there's no way to answer it. It's just like when I work with a client, I have, I, I start off every single client, every single time, every session, even if it's the same client for the 20th time, right? I have no idea what we're doing. I have no idea where we're going. I have no idea. And I'm going to meet that client where they are that day with what they brought up. Same way with a Saturn return. I don't know. We're just going to have to see how that person is at that moment when they bring it up. Because even if they were highly connected to their higher self that whole time, that could be a moment to the higher self says, ooh, reset button time. Cool. Or maybe they're connected to the higher self and higher self says, cool. Let's just keep doing what we're doing for now because it's fun. I don't know. It's different hey, for everybody. Hey, I appreciate the honesty, like like I alluded to earlier. And this is, um, again, a segue into one of your favorite topics that you mentioned to me earlier, which is shadow work. So could you please share with us what what shadow work is? And, you know, this is a thing that, you know, we hear a lot about in the self-development circles. Everyone talks about shadow work. I talk about it. Everyone does. So... What is shadow work and how do you view shadow work in your opinion differently than what you usually come across on the internet? Right. Good questions. I'll tell you how I got into shadow work because it helps to better understand how I come at it and my, my point of view and how I do it differently. 
is I've been teaching people spiritual growth in some capacity or another for decades. You know, even if it was in the Norse path, you know, I would give I would counsel people because I was basically considered a priest in the Norse tradition for a long time. So there would be like priestly counseling type thing going on or one way or another, I was teaching the spiritual growth to people and I kept seeing the same type of blocks over and over the same kind of self-sabotage, the same kind of inner doubts, the same kind of questioning, the same frustrations, the same, same thing is just constantly getting in the way. And I'm like, okay, what is this stuff? You know, what is this whole dark night of the soul all about? So I took a deep dive into it. I did the studying, did the digging around, I did the practicing, and I went, gotcha, gotcha. While we think we're building this great, wonderful spiritual life, you know, peace, love, and light, puppy dogs, and rainbows, (laughs) and you see this throughout the whole metaphysical community, oh, you have a moment of anger? No, just breathe into it, breathe some love into it, make it go away. But meanwhile, this anger is still festering and it pops up in this weird moment. People aren't addressing it and dealing with that anger. Just breathe peace, love and light. It'll go away. It's not working. You know, it doesn't work. People are banging their head against the wall because they think they need to be reaching the spiritual growth level, but their anger is holding them back. And this is just an example I see constantly when I'm working shadow work with people. And so we go into that anger. We find out what that anger is all about, where they learned that anger, what that anger is about, what that anger is teaching them. And more often than not, we find the problem is not the anger. The problem is a secondary concern about being angry. Well, because you're a spiritual being, you're not supposed to be angry. You're working to be this higher level thing. And anger is a negative emotion. So you need to purge negative emotions. And if you're feeling this anger, therefore, you're not a higher level spiritual being. And so now they're having this self-doubt, this self-destruction going in because, well, I had this angry moment. Therefore, I'm not really a spiritual being. And it's like, wait a minute. As long as you have an amygdala in your brain, you're going to have the trigger for fear and anger and rage. You're going to have that. As long as you have a limbic system in your brain, you're going to have love and compassion and connection and fear and jealousy and self-doubt. You're going to have all of those feelings as long as you are a human being. And to recognize that you will have anger and that anger can actually help protect you in a situation, can help you define what your boundaries are for you, what's important to you. Anger will tell you what's important to you and what you need to protect. And when somebody is starting to poke at that protective safe space when they shouldn't be. And when you come to terms that anger can actually be an expression of your own sacred being, that expressing your anger can be important to your spiritual growth, now you can let those fears and those self-doubts and those questions go about how anger is a negative and unwanted emotion. And now you can express that emotion when you need to. And when you don't need to, it's not there. Now you have a better control over that anger and you're making a better use of yourself as a whole being because you got in touch with your shadows and the shadows weren't the anger. The shadows were the, the, the guilt about being anger about the fears and the self doubts about being angry. And once we recognize what those fears and those self doubts and those upsets are, now you realize anger is a useful thing and that it's a great thing to have. And now those blocks to spiritual growth are over. And guess what? When somebody comes to terms with that, it's okay to be angry and that there are times and moments where it's okay to be angry they're suddenly not angry anymore (laughs) because that part of them got addressed. That part of them got the attention that it needed. And the same is true for self-doubt, self-sabotage, 
jealousy or any of these things that get in the way. It's like, great, here's this path I want to go on. But man, the only people who get there have really worked really hard for all of those years. They meditate for two hours a day. I can never reach that level. Okay, where did you get those beliefs from? Why do you believe that? What do those beliefs mean to you? What is this all about? Let's go in and unravel. And then we find out that the actual shadow may have been that desire to reach that state when really they were actually already there. They just had this impression of what that state must be like. Now they remove all of those self-doubts and those questions and the secondary causes to that. And they go, oh, so if I can just sit here and be cool with who I am and what I'm doing, then I'm there. For example, a life purpose. People think my life purpose has to be this great thing. I've worked with some people that their life purpose was actually, meh. Fuck it. I'm going to enjoy things. Whoops. I don't know if I can say that. Or not. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm just gonna 100%. Be- go for it, man. Cool. They're just going to be okay. Hire yourself. It's like, fuck it. Last life was crazy and nonsense and just so out off the wall. I just want a lifetime to just chill out and have fun. And that's your spiritual path for that life. And the person's like, but no, I grew up in a family and I'm supposed to be this way, supposed to be that way. And I'm like, sure, you can do that if you're having fun with it. Why not? And then they go, Oh, and then they work through the shadows all around that. And like, no, I love my life. This is great. I don't need to be these super uber achiever out there. I'm happy with the achievement I've made and I'm going to go on this path and suddenly, poof. And so to me, that's what shadow work is all about. Finding who you are authentically instead of who you were told that you were supposed to be and that you start living that life and you're resonating with that energy and the things that aren't in alignment with that energy go away from you. And the things that are in tune with your energy at your at your most sacred, authentic level are drawn to you. And you make this amazing, wonderful life. But the only way you get rid of those things and the only way you clear those things is you shed light onto them. You get to know them. You make friends with them. You have gratitude for those things. And you align yourself with what they were and what their lessons are. And then suddenly you don't need them anymore. Mm. Yeah, that resonates. And do you find... You know, um, have you traveled very much, Kedrick, in the world? A little bit, yeah. I'm curious um, because, you know, you're probably, most of your clientele is from the Western world, I'm guessing. Mm, Yeah, I would say most, but you know, I have clients all over the world. I love it. I love this Zoom platform. (laughs) I've got clients in Belize and Bali, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, India. Wow. You know? I've got clients all over the world. I love it. Oh, this, this, this is amazing. Okay. This is a cool question then. Um, so it seems like a big thing in Western society is this message of you can't be angry. Um, I felt that a lot. I've God, man, I just realized literally again, like a lot of things for me have been happening literally one month ago. That's why I keep saying a month ago, this happened. There's been a lot of like, you know, shame coming up insecurities realizing how, how how much I repressed my anger because my mother did the same thing, that kind of thing. And so from your perspective, what are the biggest shadows that each culture has? Like I'm guessing Western culture has a lot of shadows around anger. Have you noticed that India has their own sh- things they shame more than the West does or various cultures around the world? I have to honestly admit, I have never looked at it at the cultural level. I, I'll only look at it at the individual level and I've never pieced it together because I, I, I don't know. I like to look at individuals. I'm, I'm sure there might be something culturally out there, but I mean, even here in the U S where I grew up in the U S 
you know, it's not not region specific. It's not age specific. I don't know. I haven't found a corollary to cultures or regions or anything. It's just individual specific. Mm, all good, brother. And have you found what do you think are like the top three shadows that most people can't accept? I'm guessing anger is in the top three. Are there any other Big ones? Big time. Anger is there. Shame. Yeah, I have huge, a lot of that. Especially for men. Men that I work mm. with have a lot of shame locked in their bodies. Wow. So that is huge. And then after that, it's comparison energy. Huh. We get to, we compare ourselves to other people like, oh, I went to school with these people and look at what they're doing in their life. Or I see those other people doing those other things. And why am I not doing that? It's just like, wait a minute, you are you on your own path. And when you identify who you are and you live that, there is no comparison. You know, it's like, I, I will always tell people that the best person to be in competition with is yourself a week ago. You want to improve on who you were a week ago. Yeah, I love it. And it's funny, man. All three of those, I'm like, dude, those are my big, like my number one, I think is shame. That's one thing I'm noticing this month is just, dude, Kedrick, it's like, sometimes it's just shame, 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 all of these things surfacing. And, you know, I feel like I intuitively have a feeling that all of these things are happening because I'm in a very big transition point. And even in some sense, I'm turning 27, I'm kind of nearing that Saturn returns. And because of the nature of my job, I'm really taking another step in with podcasting, reaching out to bigger guests and just really building that foundation. And I have a feeling that a lot of comparison energy is coming up a lot. I am noticing that. I'm noticing shame, massive shame more than guilt for me. Um, I don't have very much guilt shadows. It's more just shame to the point where sometimes, man, it's like, you know, you can probably relate to this with a lot of your clients. The thing that's so brutal about shame is like shame when you're really in it and you're stuck in it. It's like almost like you don't even feel like you deserve to exist. It's like that's the thing with shame is why it might be one of the hardest things to get through because it's so limiting. Like even to look at the shadow of shame is like you don't even want to look at it because it's, you feel shameful for feeling shame. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it's I'm starting to develop what I call meta shadows. It's that, exactly <laughs> that. It's that shame for feeling shame. It's that I don't deserve this because I'm not this great person because I made these mistakes. I did those things. So I feel guilty about this. So there's like meta shadows that are out there that we have to work with. And I, I see it a lot. And yeah, I'm hesitant to go. Um, I want to. I, it's like I want to give all these advice and these tips right now. But something here is saying, hold off on that right now, because we're, we're going to paint too broad of a stroke on this when we need somebody out there. A couple of people out there need some more specific strokes when we're talking mm. to. So somebody's trying to get me not to do the broad strokes right now rather than talk to some individuals that are looking for some specific help because the broad stroke will throw them off. I don't know where that's coming from, but now you get to see an example of how I work with my guides. I love actually it. Saying, I love talk this. About this. Wait until you talk to the individuals. Wow. that That's amazing. I, I love that. that. This is what happens to my, my two psychic friends all the time. They'll just get like, they'll be like, Oh, a channel's opening up. They'll just start talking. And I'm, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like you just, again, when you don't, when you're not around psychics, you never experience this. Um, 
I have a question coming up, but actually I'll ask you if you're open to it. Um, are you getting any uh, channels opening up from your guides or anything of a, a direction you want to take th- for the next 20 minutes of the podcast or anything? Yeah. The one thing that we need to go back to is, and they're here saying it's important to address this too and go back to it is when you were asking about somebody who may not believe in the paranormal, when paranormal stuff happens to them, how do we look at that and what's going on? And I've seen at least two different versions of what's going on there. One is there may be like a spirit of a person in their house, in their home. Maybe it's just somebody passing through or somebody who used to live there. And they're just genuinely curious or they're just genuinely hanging out. You know, like a little kid rolls a ball across the floor going, hey, this is cool. Or maybe you put plumbing into a house where there never was plumbing, right? And then they go, ooh, toilet, let's flush this. Something, you know, weird like that. I I knew a story about somebody whose lights kept turning on and off. When we dug into it, it was a husband and wife. And the husband was typical for turning on the lights and leaving the lights on in a room and then walking out of the room. And the wife is like, oh, what are you doing? And walking behind him and turning off the lights. So it could legitimately just be a spirit in the house because as human beings, we retain our sovereignty. We retain our individual will when we go into the spirit world. And if you want to linger around in a place and mess with stuff, you can do that. Truthfully, meaning if somebody was kind of a jerk or a prankster in when they were alive, when they're dead, they might be the kind of guy that, you know, goes into your room at the middle of the night and starts flickering with the lights just to mess with you because they're not being malevolent. They're just being playful. And if we start to bring in the exorcist to get rid of these trickster people or some of these playful pranksters and you're like, oh, my God, it's a demon. Get out of here. They're going to go like rock on, dude. That's (laughs) awesome. You think I'm a demon. Let's amp this up. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I've actually seen where the priest and the exorcist come in, actually make it worse because a spirit in the house is like, oh, this is hilarious. Or they get pissed. They're like, God damn it. I'm not a demon. What the hell? Just get out of here. I don't like you. You know, so that that is why sometimes paranormal stuff doesn't what happens to people who don't believe in it is well because there's a legit spirit there going cool what is this what's that all about or no i don't want you painting that room green i always liked it when it was pink screw you right you know they're gonna have that another thing that happens is people encounter nature spirits and they don't even realize it like Nature spirits, they live in the in the trees, they live in the rocks, they live in, you know, the natural world. And so somebody moves into the house and there's like a, a rock pile in their backyard and like, oh, this is just so unsightly. Let's get rid of it. And they clear out the rock pile and now weird stuff starts happening in their house. Doors start opening. They've set the keys on the counter and the keys are now missing. You know, just weird little stuff starts happening. Well, it's because you messed with the house of a land spirit. And it's going to like, you mess with me. I'm going to come mess with you. And now these people are going, what's going on here? And it's like, okay, let's build this rock pile up again. Even though you think it's unsightly, do these things to appease that spirit and make friends with it. You know, let's bond together and be there. And so that tends to dissipate that that works through. And then the third thing that happens is the poltergeist effect. Now poltergeist have a big name as being like the bad entity in the house, the bad ghost in the house, but a poltergeist looks like a spirit. It looks like a separate entity, but it's really not. What's going on is there's an individual in that house that has maybe some telekinetic ability or some psychic ability, but 
they're not able to express their emotions. And we're going to, we learn in this paranormal working that emotions and energies and spiritual contacts are like, they go hand in hand there, whatever your emotional state is, what you're going to draw to you. And there are some interesting studies done, actual scientific studies, believe it or not, that found that people who are very sensitive internally, they have a lot of emotion going on internally. They're like a, a boiler, right? They're just building up with this emotion inside, but yet they've got this thick skin and they're not able to express that emotion. They can't. For whatever situation that they're living in, they're not able to express this boiler full of emotions. Now, emotions, if they are not expressed, will always find a way to be expressed. Sometimes they go into the body. It's like conversion disorder. You know, you get ticks and shakes and different kind of things as a conversion disorder. Or sometimes they will express themselves telekinetically. And statistically speaking, we find the poltergeist effect showing up in adolescence, primarily girls, adolescent girls, because what's going on is their hormones shifting is causing that boiler, inner boiler of emotions to come up. And mom, especially dad, is like, just shut up and go to your room. I'm sick of hearing about this. I don't want to know what's going on. Maybe there really is a spirit in the house. Maybe there is that little playful little boy going on and the kids are perceiving that. And they're like, oh my God, I saw those movies now. This is scary. Shut up, go to your room. I don't want to hear your stories. They can't express this. They can't get this out which is why dad tends to be the one that gets the scratches and the bumps because he tends to be the authoritarian. And that kid is lashing out with their telekinetic abilities that they don't even know that they have. And so when these kids or and they can, I've seen it with adults too. It's not just kids, but when they're finally able to express their emotions where they can get this out going, I see this thing and it's scaring me. I don't know what to do about it. They're expressing themselves. Finally, they're being heard and acknowledged for what they're feeling and weirdly enough, that poltergeist effect just suddenly dwindles away and it goes away. Wow. So, uh, Kent, and um, one thing I'm fascinated by, and I know you, you're fascinated by this too, is this idea of egregores and how mm-hmm. we can create thought forms. We can actually create gods. We can create entities with a collective conscious energy. Um, so, when I think of like poltergeist, um, how does that usually show up in entertainment? Is that like the spirit is, isn't a pol- What is a poltergeist in entertainment? Again? Yeah. In entertainment, it's that ghost in the house, throwing things around, scratching people, moving the furniture. That's, you know, if you see the movie poltergeist by Steven Spielberg, it's just the word poltergeist means noisy ghost. Oh, it's really what it is. So it's that thing creating all of the noise and all of the din and the ruckus in the house that, freak people out that become the basis of the horror movies like i told you that was a demon there and it's like no it's just a scared little kid come on let's work with this interesting so can someone who has that telekinetic ability um i'm guessing if they have all of that internal energy and emotion because emotion is energy in motion it's Mm -hmm. uh it's energy um, and through the egregore effect, I'm sure, I'm guessing, um, they could probably create an entity just with their energy, could they? We all do it all the time. Really? Everybody does it. Whenever you have a persistent emotional state, you're creating a thought form. Because that emotion okay. is being expressed to you in energy. And that energy can ball up into a little ball of energy with a single thought of scare me or make me feel comfortable and complacent. 
I've seen thought forms be just nothing more than, okay, I'm just going to sit here and watch TV because it's comfortable. <laughs> and then we get rid of that thought form and you're like, oh, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to do that. So it's a persistent emotion that we're feeling that all it really does is it taps us with that emotional energy so, so that we're feeling it. And now that we're feeling it, like if it's fear, fear is the most common one because wow. we see that ball roll across the floor for whatever. And we go, oh my God, it's here. We're building up that fear. Now it's this little ball of fear energy pokes us with fear energy. We're like, oh, it's in the room. I'm feeling there's something here. I can feel this. Oh, now this thing is getting fed with fear energy. It's like, oh, cool. Thank you. So we create thought forms all the time. We just don't realize we're doing it. And egregores, we create whenever we continuously tell stories about something. Wow. That's what egregores are, is basically our collective beliefs about a, a thing. Like if we talk about Penhurst Insane Asylum, right? And how all the bad things that went down there and of the spirits that are there, there's spirits there. And that it's just this creepy, awful, terrible place. Our collective belief feeds together to create the egregore of Penhurst Asylum. And now there's this big nasty that's living there that's feeding off of all of the fear and all of the stories and the beliefs because we did it. But let's talk about my favorite positive egregore. There's <laughs> Santa, Santa an, Claus? Santa Claus, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's how Santa can visit everybody all around the world in one night because it is this collective belief that came together. And when we tune into that sense of generosity and that reverence of what that christmas eve is all about we're letting that egregore temporarily possess us so we're uh, feeling its energy when we're giving you know even if it's the kids leaving out the milk and cookies and we're like eating the milk and cookies as mom and dad and we're putting out the presents we are the embodiment of that egregore and by doing those things and telling those stories we're fueling and fueling the belief of that egregore and allowing it to continue to exist Wow, man. I think egregores are like my favorite topic you talk about. I, I just like I find it because it's the one thing that's like so inspiring, interesting and complicated, like and yes. maybe not complicated, but it, there's so many layers to egregores um, because, you know, this is what my head goes to is like Hollywood must create so many egregores, Iron Man, Thor, the Avengers, like we like those are those become gods you know and and i you said an egregore is created through a story do we yes. have to believe that the story is true or not for example iron man we all know iron man doesn't exist but we put all of our energy into it so is there an egregore that takes the form of the cinema characters that we all love i wouldn't say i don't think so because with an egregore is the tied into belief but what we will do is we'll create the archetype the archetype of iron man and then we can use that archetype as a, a collective instrument like today i want to be like iron man approaching this subject so if i was iron man and doing this how do we tap in to the iron man archetype or how do i tap into the batman archetype and become <laughs> batman for a moment just for that moment when i need batman's insight and strength or or Superman's strength and insight, you know, his sense of duty. How do I do that for a moment? But it's the belief. So the Amityville Horror House, for example, there really was a murder that took place in that house, was really an awful thing, but there was no paranormal activity in that house. That was actually complete fabrication by Hollywood and book writers. 
but our belief because we were told amityville horror was based on a true story yes it was based on a true story amityville is a real town the house is a real place yes something really bad happened therefore now it's based on a true story mind you the rest of it's not a true story but because we believed it's a true story we believed it is we now created this egregore of the amityville horror house Mm, yeah, see, this is so interesting. So with an egregore, so we talked about how a spirit that is passed on can have sometimes the ability to influence matter, correct? Mm-hmm. Does an egregore that never existed, but we create its existence in the mind, do they have the power to influence reality tangibly? It's a good question. I think more so they influence us to affect reality tangibly in uh, in that's actually very fascinating because I, I remember i was listening to one of your podcasts i think it was with aubrey marcus um, half a year ago and i got so fascinated by this idea of egregores because i was inspired to create my own <laughs> like i was like i want to create like like essentially all of the people in like self-development circles, like they must be creating egregores all the time because they're, they're putting all this belief in who they want to be in this person they see themselves in 10 years. So a lot of these people in self-development camps, do you think it's accurate that they put a lot of energy and they create these thought forms that almost beckon them forward to become what they're creating? Yep. In fact, we'd call that a tulpa. Tulpa. A tulpa it, it, like an egregore is created through collective beliefs. A tulpa is created through individual experience. Like if you were to experience this entity, let's say you have a business and you want your business to thrive, you can create an entity in your mind of what it would look like, what it would act like, what its name is. You can even create a background story for your (laughs) business of what it is. And then you are having an imaginary conversation with it. I'm making it super simple. There's more to it, but you're basically having this imaginary conversations back and forth with the tulpa of your business and what your business is going to look like of what it does, what it's all about. And then you can start asking it to go do these things and look for those things. You can get a different perspective of insight, but the more you're interacting with this entity, the more you're creating it through your experience, through your observation of it. And now the tulpa of your business exists and it thrives on bringing more customers and more clients to you so that you can have more conversations. And so now it's living off of the energy of the thriving of your business and corporations all over the place do this. So corporations are kind of more of a tulpa egregore hybrid because their business has their identity of the brand right? And their mission statement is the mission statement of the Tulpa Egregore. But because there are all these people that are believing that mission statement, believing that brand, believing that purpose, they're sharing their energy. So now those corporations are an entity that seeks to push us and provoke us to buy those hamburgers or to buy those financial instruments because we are tapped into that egregore's energy going, yeah, that really is the best thing for me to have that. <laughs> wow. So, so it, sorry, go on, Kedrick. No, it, I'm just going to say that it really is a form of influential magic that we are doing all the time, whether we realize it or not, but we're all creating these things constantly, which is why it's so important to have paranormal awareness, because now you realize it's a tulpa or an egregore 
of these corporations or these businesses poking at you and you're like, oh, no, I don't need that. Oh, yeah, that's a cool idea. I think I'll go with that. I agree with you. Now you can make more informed choices for yourself if you realize the paranormal influence, which is why it's so important to understand how subtle paranormal experiences really are. Mm. So for a Tulpa, let's say the company is Coca-Cola. <clears throat> so everyone who believes in the brand of Coca-Cola is creating an egregore. Um, including the employees. So mm-hmm. who's creating the Tulpa? Just the CEO who created Coca-Cola or is everyone who works for Coca-Cola somehow connected to the CEO and together they're creating it? Because you know what I mean? It's like there's almost these two inside circle and outside circle. Both are valid. Some corporations have no idea that they're doing it. They just know they have a mission statement and a brand. They've got the image. They've got the story, which is all you need. And everyone buys into that. There are some people who are very magically inclined and they know to put into the logo certain symbols and certain shapes and image. They know to go to do certain rituals that are not evil, scary, bad rituals. Let's throw that out the window. They're just rituals to bring this tulpa, this entity alive, and they know how to fuel it and help it to do its purpose. So both are out there to various degrees. Even if it's let's get the company together and think positive about the growth of our company, right? That's sharing in the creation of that entity. Wow. And I'm very curious your perspective on this. Um, so you like, let's take Aubrey Marcus. He has AubreyMarcus.com. He has the Aubrey Marcus brand that is based on a human being. What is mm-hmm. more powerful? His company on it that has no association with the human being, so it can be a bit more mythological. Or Aubrey Marcus, that people, when they tap into it, they kind of know it's all about Aubrey. Like, which one is one more powerful for gaining public perception and creating itself? Nope. Neither is more powerful than the other. It's just whatever energy it starts off with. And it, let's just say it's kind of like viral videos. You never know what's going to hit and take off and be more powerful as a viral video. And suddenly you can be surprised with it one day. Same way with corporations, you know? Sometimes it's Mm. the individual. Sometimes it's the brand name. Interesting. And I want to throw this out there, and I hope this doesn't get me in trouble, (laughs) but the Aubrey Marcus that we, and I don't know, because I only know the Aubrey Marcus that's on the podcast, and I've met him in person once, but I will guarantee you just about with every single public figure that's out there, there is the persona, which is the archetype of who they are that they present, and that is the face of their business, and that persona is that archetype tulpa of their business that goes by their name and then there's the actual real person that is doing their shadow work that's doing their inner stuff that's doing all of their other stuff that we don't get to see so they're they're still out i mean even me i'll be flat out honest there's my persona that you're seeing but you're not seeing the challenges and the the day-to-day stuff that makes me a human like everybody else we all have that dichotomy when we're running a business, even in our own name. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think about this all the time for myself because I know part of my mythology, part of my archetype, part of the deification of me and my brand is Anton Zakor is a very vulnerable human being. This is what I do in all my videos. Like I share, like I, you know, obviously you can probably tell I'm very authentic and I share from my heart and I'll be like, yeah, I'm dealing with these challenges. And what I, I remember telling my audience one time, I was like, and the crazy thing about entertainment, the crazy thing about these things is I'm trying to show you who I am. 
with my vulnerability. I'm trying to show you I'm just a human being. But in the showing you of just I'm a human being, you're deifying the fact that I'm vulnerable. Like now I'm like the God of vulnerability. And I'm like, that's not the point. I'm just trying to like be a human being. But it's like, in some sense, the moment you're like, you're a brand, you're a figurehead, you're on TV, people deify this idea. They take everything you are and they package it in their brain and they add their consciousness. And it's like, no matter how honest or vulnerable you are, you're always going to be a thing to people, you know, until they know you at a very deep level and they, you know, they hang out with you and your family on Sundays and you go to the beach together. Like until they know you that intimately, like you're always going to be a thing. You're always going to be an idea, you know? Exactly. And to be honest, there is the version of you that is in your mind and your perception is just to you, but everybody else that you know has a different version of you in their mind that's completely different from your version of you in wow, your mind. That's no true. matter how intimately they are connected to you. Wow. That that that's so wild. Like, you know, I, I find this egregore thing, like, you know, everything, you know, I because I remember I've been I've been following you for a, a decent amount of time. And you know, I think there's like a podcast or two where you didn't even talk about egregores. You were just talking about poltergeists. And and I was like, I was like, that's cool. That's interesting. I can fit that into reality. The moment you brought out egregores, I was like, mind blown. I was like, this breaks apart the very fabric of what I think is a, exists because I always believed that gods existed or they don't. You know, there's there's source, there's God. And I grew up not being Christian. I grew up not being Hindu. None of the I was never religious. So my idea of reality was always there's like I, you know, I, was, I grew up in that kind of pseudo Buddhism kind of idea. There's just source. Right. And so I remember growing up that way and people would be Christian. They'd be like, yeah, I believe in, you know, my version of God. And I'd be like, that's cool. But in my head, I'm like, well, they're wrong because <laughs> I'm right. And when you start talking about egregores, it blew my mind because I'm like, fuck, everybody's right. Like literally, like, you know, every God exists because we've created it to exist. Maybe it's not the physical, tangible entity like Thor who literally goes and talks to the Viking people and can put down lightning, but we're all creating energetic gods that what is a god if if not something that creates something in reality through its disciples, through its its followers. So in some sense, people's gods that they think actually exist tangibly that don't interact with reality are no less real than the fact that they never existed, but because someone believes in them, they create them. It's almost like they're interchangeable. Their ability to affect reality and manifest reality is identical because egregores can be so powerful, you know? Bingo. That's exactly it. That's why I say gods, demons, angels don't exist, but they do, but they don't kind of sort of. It's a wishy-washy territory they're they're there but yeah it's wishy-washy there's no i can't give you a concrete answer on it it's impossible i know and i think this is a really uh great place to start to finish up the podcast and before we uh we finish up is there any topics or things that you want to talk about for five or 10 minutes. And obviously I'm going to let you plug, you know, all the things you're working on where people can find you. But I literally mean like something that we can discuss. Is there any, any topic on your mind that you'd like to talk about for five or 10 minutes? It's a good question. I, I, 
we covered a lot of good stuff. I'm just going to, I just throw it out there. My mission right now is to help people be aware of the paranormal around them to realize that you are not a physical being or a spiritual being, but you're both. And you have the physical and the spiritual. They're closely connected. They're tied together. And so our experiences are the same. You aren't just a physical thing. There are a myriad of entities all around you influencing you, higher level beings that do want you to access what they have to say, and they're lower level entities that are in it for their own gain. They're not necessarily evil because one of my favorite definitions of evil is which side of the fork you're on, right? What, so just maybe just get away from the fork so you don't have to be eaten. And it just comes from awareness and being aware that you are more than just the flesh and blood and physical. And that once you have that awareness, everything in your life will start to shift because you can start making better informed choices about you and your life and the path you're on. Mm. Amen, brother. And th this was a fantastic conversation. And we're so I want you now to share with myself and the audience um, where people can find you and what you are currently working on. And is there anything that you'd really like to talk about that people can be interested in purchasing or checking out or anything? Sure. So I, my main website is kdrick.com. And right away at the beginning of that, you can, you'll sign up if you want to for a paranormal awareness test to really tune into what your abilities are. And that will also help link you to my Teachable page, which is really kdrick.teachable.com. I'm putting classes on there to help you learn how to connect with the paranormal, like developing your paranormal awareness skills. I've got a good six I'm going to say good. Why not? A good six week <laughs> shadow program on there that I call shadow ascension. And everybody who's going through that is just getting phenomenal results, but it's not open to everybody. We have to do a little discovery call, but I'm really proud of that shadow ascension course. And I just recently, like, like this month, this month, last month, whatever it is, just recently <laughs> launched a certification course on seance. So in five wow. weeks, You'll learn how to run seance and do seance so that you realize seance isn't this weird, spooky thing that you see in the movies, nor is it this evil portal to hell that you're opening. It's just like training wheels to get you open to the paranormal world around you. That once you learn how to do seance and you realize, oh, here's what the paranormal really is like. Here's how I do it. And it is somewhat of a complicated, convoluted process to teach you how to do it. But once you get it down pat, you can refine it. You can make it easier. And then you start realizing, cool, but I'm really proud of that because this five-week course on seance, I wasn't sure if I could ever teach it online or do an online version of it because I always you know, wanted to be the control freak of maintaining the energy around me and work with the energy. But I built in some safety precautions in there, some teachings of how to make things safe. And so if you follow this course the way I teach it, you're going to have absolutely zero problems with anything whatsoever. Uh, I literally just launched that one. So I'm, I'm really proud of that one. And I've got a bunch of other stuff in the hopper that I'm working on. I've got a bunch of courses outlined. So if you go to kdrick.teachable.com, you'll find a bunch of paranormal classes there. And there's going to be a lot more coming because I've got a head full of stuff that just needs to get out into the world to teach. Man, absolutely beautiful. Well, this this was a pleasure, Kedrick. I, uh, this actually exceeded my expectations. You know Thank what I mean? You. Like I just this. Yeah, I feel like we went very broad. We also went very personal, very deep and really reflected a lot of things. And 
Man, yeah, thanks for just being such a a welcoming and enjoyable person to be around. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. This has been great. I enjoyed it very much. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today, everybody. If you enjoyed it and you want to show your support, be sure to click the subscribe button and share this podcast with someone you feel will enjoy it. And before we go, I want to take another moment to thank our sponsors, Listening to Smile and Indigo Sun. And if you're interested in anything I mentioned regarding either of them, be sure to visit their websites, which are linked in the description of this podcast. And that's it. So I'll see you all in the next episode. I love you. Bye.